0: Hi, I'm Debbie Harbeck, and I'm a certified life coach working with women in midlife and through the menopause transition. So each week, I'll be sharing the latest information, inspiration, and generate some momentum so you can move forward and feel more in control of your changing midlife body and your life. Let's go. So, welcome to the Midlife Momentum Podcast. I'm joined by a guest who I'm going to introduce you to. Her name is Lynn Mull. She is a Reiki master. She's an author, a facilitator speaker, and she's an advocate for finding a pathway towards personally defined success. So after nearly 25 years as a Wall Street executive, she was leading people in development, merger integration, and change management, she recognized that balancing a multitude of personal and professional goals without wellness practices caused a decline in her mental, physical, and spiritual health. And during a season of simultaneous motherhood and caregiving, Lynn researched and developed her own methods for her own stress relief while redefining life's major milestones. So thank you, Lynn, for joining me today. I'm really excited to have you here on the podcast. Hey, so Debbie, I'm happy you're here. And I think that what you have to offer is really important for my audience because you went through a bit of a midlife crisis, I guess it was, and, and then you came out the other side through different tools that you use. So I just want you to maybe go into like what happened and, and how did it change you? Yeah. And I think, you know, I'd love to get into that
1: more after I give you the details of my story and my pivot points. And I think midlife is defined differently for everyone. And I'm doing some research on that on the side, but I had this period where I had left San Francisco for a job to be closer to my family and I really had a hard time with the high energy of New York just so many people energy I did not know I had this intuitive space but really felt that and I was trying to move back to California I got a call that my mom was very sick my mom had at the time was diagnosed with late stage colon cancer she's alive today but She did eight years when I was in my thirties, eight years. I was living very close to her, about 90 minutes with her and my dad, eight years of cancer treatment, surgeries, trials, many, many things. And a lot of it, at the beginning was very emergent. Everything was an emergency. Everything was urgent. And so I sort of dropped my personal life and moved into caregiving mode, both from a distance. And then I travel home. So high stress. You're now in this place of caregiving in your 30s. None of my peers had done that. I'm also holding a job on Wall Street. We just merged. So, all these confluences of events. Owen, did I mention it It was 2008? So, the world, Mm -hmm. you know, all these places were closing. There are pictures on the news of Bear Stearns and folks leaving with their bucket of goods, like very much what movies and books have been made about. So, living through that. And then, as I moved through my 30s, got married, had two children, and on the returned to the office with my second daughter they're 20 months apart and I remember I was sitting in our sunroom which was a playroom still really is to this day and I'm getting ready to go back and I think that I'm getting this call about my passwords and I got a call from the office like I'm thinking oh you know they're just trying to onboard me and there's some loose ends when am I going to get my laptop when am I coming in my badge and it ended up being that my boss um my boss had been killed and she had been killed by a family member and it was someone who i held in a very very high regard she had the title she had continued to survive all of the nuances of corporate america in a very male dominated place and so i think that i couldn't i couldn't believe it I can, I still have that out of body as I'm talking about it. I can see myself without being in my body. I remember handing over my daughter. I remember walking outside. I remember sitting on the steps. I remember being unable to speak. Uh, and my first day back to the office was at her funeral. So it was a very, and and I should also mention that my mom was in the hospital at this time. So it was very, very chaotic and holding on by a thread. And for all of the mothers and parents out there, when the babies are little, they can't do anything. So two in diapers, uh, you know, two, and I had babysitters and help and stuff, but it was a very high stress time. And I knew when I got back into the swing of work, whatever that meant for me, I felt none of this is that important. Like, yes, I want to work and use my brain, but ultimately what the heck am I doing? What's my purpose. And if I stay in this environment, if I stay going forward, I started to pick my head up and I said, oh my goodness, so-and-so just had massive back surgery because they never stopped working. Or so-and-so has a autoimmune that popped up because they've been on the road and being asked to do project after project, merger after merger. Um, One of the departments that I worked in or worked in conjunction with would lay people off at the end of the year and then hire the same people back. So it was this constant rigmarole of energy. And I just, I was in this peak moment of the crisis that I think was caused by external events that caused me a severe hard stop. It so it wasn't for me a birthday, but it was a hard stop of what am I doing? And I joke a lot if you've heard me talk at all, I, you know, I couldn't have that Elizabeth Gilbert eat pray love moment, Glennon Doyle, where you go and you sort of find yourself again and you take this, you know, India ashram, Italy mm-hmm. eat fest. I would have loved to run away. And I couldn't, right. We got bills to pay. We've got two kids to take care of responsibilities. And so how did I come? Like, I was just like, I have to find another way. And I had to do it within the
0: confines of my life as it was. Wow. Wow. that That's a lot, like a lot of stress, a lot on your shoulders. And, and so much of your story actually sounds a a little bit like mine, because I I was younger than you at the time, probably I'd had my first daughter, I was 27. And my mom actually passed away from colon cancer at that time. Mm-hmm. So similar to you, just like having a baby, I had a corporate job, I my mom passed, and just everything at the same time made me question, what is this all about? Why am I here? What am I doing? So I can totally relate to what you just said. Yeah. Well, I like to call them milestone moments. So Mm -hmm. same thing, like you and I have this
1: huge health crisis of a loved one and then a passing and the grief that comes with it. And cancer is not always about that end point, unfortunately for your mom, you know, the death, Mm -hmm. but it's also in the caregiving, there's so much grief and loss and you sort of lose a lot of yourself in that caregiving moment. But these milestone moments can come for various reasons. Like I said, the birthday for some of my friends has sent them into the ether, right? It just depends. And in that moment of the shakeup or the midlife crisis or the milestone moment, I've always been a reader and podcasts were sort of really hitting then. And so I download a podcast on a commute to New York city. I would in New York city on the subway, I would uh, do some audible books and just started to think what am I? I interested in so anything that interested me and for me I went down the the self-development path I started the non-fiction journey and started to think well one of the titles one of the first titles I read was designing your life and it was about this moment of it's two Stanford professors and you can listen to them anywhere but it was just like think about like you're an intern pretend you're an intern. And what do you like? What are you interested in? And I had lived in California and yoga was a huge practice. So right then I went into yoga, I started breathing again. I started with like a little bit of what I knew. And then I started to explore and that led me down a further path. And then the last thing I did was I, I I asked for help. I got a career coach. I was like, I can't keep doing this. Maybe it's in finance. Maybe it's not, but I can't stay in this exact Trajectory. It felt so full. Wow. Very full.
0: Wow. So you you actually hired a career coach, and and what did you what did you get out of that experience? What did you learn?
1: I think it was permission to look outside, and that's you know really what I believe and teach now. When I am working with someone in coaching and adding this Reiki, and it's like there are all these different combinations, and especially for you know, these, I'm a, I'm a Gen Xer and early, uh, early millennials, right. We're taught that there was this ladder because the boomers and prior, prior generations had done the ladder. They done the thing where you stay at the company and there's a ladder and then there's a pension and it's like this one way. And I think it was permission to look at all the options. What are all of my options? With support and
0: a third party that was very action-oriented. And did you ever have anybody in your surroundings and your family that were um, outside of that world of pensions and safe jobs and and that kind of thing? No, no, I had no models,
1: and I started to look through other avenues, like who inspired me. Mm-hmm. And then it's the great thing about the internet. I know a lot of people can't stand social media and I understand that. And there's all the reasons why, but it really opened my eyes to people that maybe weren't in my neighborhood or weren't directly, I wouldn't have run into, or I wouldn't have been able to take a class with them. I was like, hey, what are they doing? What's this person doing in Seattle? You're in Canada, I'm on the East Coast. Like, it, It allowed me to see those people that I aspired to be who had little more of, the bat, the balance is such a hard word, but this way to figure out that a path is not linear and it showed me you can be multi, a multifaceted, faceted person. Yeah. So I I did do a lot of exploring and I didn't do it for eight hours a day. It was like, Hey, someone's napping and I'm going to sit to lunch and I'm going to read a passage or I'm going to listen. I'm going to read a chapter. I'm going to listen to this. Um, I did it in like these little increments. Cause that's all I could af- afford in my calendar.
0: Okay. So at the time where you, you were working, you were back at work, you were, you, and you were raising your daughters. And so in these moments of time, you were doing this kind of self research in a way, looking into yourself and seeing what it is you wanted to do when you grew up kind of thing. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Like, Hey,
1: there's this other thing happening around me.
0: Yeah. And I'm very interested in
1: having a high impact Uh, and you just get clues along the way. I'd always had a group of younger women who followed me, who asked for advice. So I was like, what is that? And the other thing that the coach had me do, she had me email. It was, I think I sent 12 emails out and it would had to be people. She gave me the little questionnaire, but I modified it and I made it my own. And then she had me write a note that said, it was to my second tier of friends. So it wasn't my, fa- it couldn't be a family member. It couldn't be my best friend who I would, you know, complain about the lack of good apples at the grocery store. It couldn't be my day to day. It had to be someone once removed. So a lot of former colleagues, people I'd worked on projects with, maybe a blip on the radar. Maybe, I think I sent it to someone I even played collegiate sports with, right? Just these people who I was in touch with, but not in my day to day complaining frankly or worry or upset or panic about my mom and I just said what one of the questions that stands out is what do you see me as if you could give me a title whatever that title is and nine out of ten people came back with the word coach or teacher and then I was like okay I'm on to something wow and that led me to invest in getting career certified and it led me to, uh, coaching certified. It led me down this path of having a side hustle. I, so it, from, from the onset of me waking up and saying, I can't do this anymore. It took me five years to leave my corporate job and set everything in motion. And I did coaching on the weekends in the mornings at night. I made it work. We all made it work. My, and yeah. my husband was very supportive.
0: Okay. And that helps too right when you have a supportive spouse for sure yeah yeah it's and and that's an amazing journey because you did do it on the side you didn't have to just you know you didn't leave your job to do it you just you made it happen you thought you slowly and over time found what you wanted to be wanted to do and so you became coach certified and over after five years then did you You left your job, and did you have any other things that you were going to do, or you're just going to be coaching? What was your What was your plan?
1: Well, COVID happened in the middle there somewhere; it's a blur. (laughs) But we, I had um, one of the things I did for self care in COVID is I was able to take some bike rides, and some of the time I would be taking conference calls and listening and biking, and some of the times I would listen to, like I said, the podcast, the books, and one of the books. Um, was by my mentor, Kelsey Patel. It's called Burning Bright. And I love it. I reference it all the time. And in the book, somewhere in the line, it says something to the effect of, if you are interested in anything I've said in this book, pick it up and, and run the ball down the court. Just take it as a breadcrumb. Think about it. Re, you know, Keep investigating why you think this is interesting. And Reiki was the thing that I was like, I have no idea what this is. And she raved about it. And I had had a session with her uh, very shortly thereafter. And then I just started doing Reiki training. So, what I think in my mom's illness and then the murder of my boss was that I had lost touch with my spiritual practices. I was raised in the Catholic Church, which was too much for me, frankly. Um, but I did really miss a connection to a higher power. And I do think that I have added Reiki, and which is why I love it. It's the Japanese art. I call it acupuncture without the needles. It's about bringing together how you feel, your energy, knowing where you're clogged, maybe knowing where you somatically are carrying trauma and bringing about that connection to the bigger picture. So like, what did I want to do? What was my North star, but what are these symbols and signs and things that I'm getting from the universe? And then I started to add that into my practice. So this has evolved Debbie. It's always evolving. We're always evolving. Yes. And as I learn more, I want to impart that on my one-on-one clients, my corporate clients. I just want people to find clarity, clarity from within clarity from the universe, God, whatever you want to call it and have a routine that supports them. A practical routine. You and I are all about practicality, right? It's like mm-hmm. practical routines that help them continue on a path for clarity. And I do work in really short bites because if I, COVID taught me five-year plans are cool to dream, but they're not really plans. So you've got to really take it down to six or nine months or 12 months. I never let a client go out of planning for longer than 12 months because COVID was like, just kidding. <laughs> you know, just yeah. kidding, not happening.
0: Yeah, no. So something more doable, something much more like tangible. You can feel like, okay, 12 months sounds like something I can do. And you you mentioned the word clarity. So, and I know that you have a process and, and I know clarity is is the goal, I guess, of the process. So what is the process that you do take your clients through to get them to clarity? And what is clarity? How do you define that? Mm,
1: I don't know if I've ever been asked, what is clarity? I think it's an internal, a full body, a full body knowing. And it can be, people talk about gut, people talk about heart. I think it's all three. I think it's, your intuition, your third eye, your connection to like, oh, this makes sense. Or I'm seeing the same, you know, have you ever had that moment where three people in a row tell you to read the same book or you hear the same song three, five times in a row and you're like, what's the message there? That is the third eye to me. That is the intuition to the the greater spirit. And then the heart what do do I love? What do I give my, listen, we're not all going to love what we do. I can't stand cooking dinner anymore. Right? Like I don't love it. It's not, everything's going to be a joy ride, but what do I love to do? What lights me up? And then people would be magnetized to, And then that gut feeling of I'm on the right track. I'm on the right track for now. Yeah. So a couple of things I do is I do big values work. I do big visioning work 12 months out. And then we bring it down to priorities. I think that people need to really be honest with their priorities. And mine for me was health insurance, right? So I couldn't leave for five years because of that. That was a priority and a huge expense for for me and my family. So layering those in and then we start to dip into maybe you send out that email. Maybe we start to make a list of all the things you're interested in. And then... We chip away at creating action plans in your personal life, in your career. And oftentimes when you make one change, what I've learned in Reiki is that your nerve endings start to be ready for change. So a change for someone could be asking their manager to go to a leadership conference. It could be asking for the title you want or the salary. It could be giving yourself permission to do research on the thing you're interested in and i think combining both values to know why you're doing something and then getting on to it it can provide more clarity.
0: Okay. Okay. I love that. So you're helping them on the journey towards clarity to get them to that point like you said where their head their heart their gut are kind of aligned and they yeah they they know. It's a knowing i guess too, right? Clarity. So I love that. So you take them step by step until they get to wherever it is they want to go in that more short term amount of time, I'm guessing. Like, is there a time, uh, a time period that you do work with clients, a fixed time period, or is it over like longer? So I do.
1: I, and if someone's really struggling, like in certain instances with like heavy grief or different components. I will do full energy sessions, but I don't tend to do that as much anymore. And that is a that is to get unblocked. I believe that you cannot get to your actions if you have clogged pipes, if you're holding on. I mean, I held on to a lot of anger and upset when I left. I was promised things I never received in corporate. And I am not a proponent of everyone leaving their corporate jobs. I do want to say that like I love the structure. I actually miss the structure in a lot of ways. There's a lot of benefit to different components of using your degrees and your all the things so I just want to put that out there but what I like to do is I like to have either um the sort of unblocking energy work energy sessions and then I do it's approximately seven meetings so I'll do two the first two are a little bit longer and then we do a lot of communicating in between whether it's me sending you a visualization me doing a card pull for this person so it's very holistic about spirituality, energetics, and then action. And then we do it. Most people do it within a six month period, but it's seven conversations, meetings,
0: and then a ton in between. Okay. And is it usually around career? Like are your clients mostly people in midlife who are having a career crisis or what do you, would you say your clients are? I would definitely say that. I would definitely say that. And it's hard to title it, but, you know,
1: I've called myself a transition coach, a transformation coach. I've called it, um, you know, leveling up. I've called it holistic career coaching, but I want to support people in how they make a living, what their purpose is. And I have clients who also have projects that might feel too scary And they want to put it out there into the world. And it might not be their primary career, but it might be something that they're working towards. So whether it's opening a business, whether it's just getting really straight on what it is, if they have all these ideas flying around, but yes, it's primarily um, really around career and then getting unstuck and unblocked. And how does it, how does it manifest Hmm. so that you can have what you want? So, the one thing is like, what happens? Like, so what happens, like, about meeting five or six is what I call a clarity tumbleweed.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When you can articulate what you want to the barista at Starbucks, to your child's teacher, to your next door neighbor, to your whatever it is, it starts to come to fruition. So when you can say, I want to work in marketing for a small technology company, light bulbs go off. And I do believe that a lot of people are afraid to claim what they want. I want people to feel the tumbleweed. So if you can articulate, I want to do X, Y, and Z in this arena, holy cow, you get meetings, you get introductions, people start sending you articles. Have you seen this? hey, this was inspiring me. We talked about that at that uh, holiday party or that back to school night. Oh, you know, oh, we were in that class that was themed, that yoga class that was themed about X, Y, and Z. And then I noticed you talking to the teacher, wondering if this inspires you. I heard you talking. You start to get these connections and holy cow, the job, the book publisher, the the printer for your X, Y, Z projects ends up landing in your lap. And When that tumbleweed goes, holy cow, my inbox and my texts are like elated because feeling stuck feels physically and mentally exhausting. Yes.
0: Yes, it does. And it's quite the process to figure it out and then claim it. Like I imagine that's also part of the process is you you come up with this, but then you have to have the courage and the confidence to go out there and to claim it and say, this is what I want, even though you don't know how it's going to happen.
1: That. yeah so I like to also I call it warm introductions. Like I have this mm-hmm. whole style where I do whether it's on LinkedIn or email or whatever your platform is, social media, whatever it is. like I help people craft messages that people actually want to respond to, and they feel like it's a radical act. and you don't get a response from everyone, no, but, you know, you do get responses and it's shocking. And I have one in, email in my inbox right now about someone who's shocked. She was bold. She claimed it. She got a response. And now she's like, well, now what? Right. So Now we're working on that secondary pitch. And I think in this day and age, with all that we've been through as a society, with all that's going on in the world, we do want this authentic nature and we can keep a professional. You can ask for what you want without telling your whole life story. I mean, we're talking very openly on purpose, but I don't need to go into all of that to say, I want to help people find these career clarity moments and get the role that they want. I can tell part of it. And I think sometimes people get afraid in that clarity that they're going to have to tell their whole life story and how you know, they're teenagers driving them crazy. And, you know, they just got a flat tire. It doesn't need to be all the things we can, but you can be articulate and authentic in a way to help you. And I think networking should never be a dirty word. It's, it's relationship building and community. I'm sure you've seen all those studies too, about how the loneliness is at an all time high and, and really hopefully coming out of COVID people can find community, but people want to help each other. They ultimately do. And so if you can ask for help, which a lot of my clients have a hard time doing, like people will show up for you, whether it's that connection, whether it's, you know, just an idea, an article, I'll be like, Hey, you should really contact the person who wrote this article. They had this whole cool spin on that, on that idea we talked about over dinner
0: yeah i think that that's so true and and i am included in that group of like <laughs> not asking for for help when i should and also um the fear of the word networking but you know if you put it in a different context it's just the word that that's bothering it's not the actual idea of connecting with people because that's actually a very beautiful thing it's something i do enjoy So yeah, it depends on how you look at things. If you yeah, uh, yeah, it can change your whole perspective. And I love that. So do you have like a, an example of a client who has done, gone through the process and, and, and done well?
1: Hard to pick one. Yeah. (laughs) So a lot of my clients, I work with both men and women in the career coaching space who are open to all the breath work and the Reiki and all the things, but I had this one And the reason I'll use her is because I know she'd be okay with it. I won't use her name, but also she's come back to me. And let me tell you why I don't want to work for someone with someone for, you know, two years, you should be able to find clarity, take action and move through timelines vary based on the economy, based on what we're looking for. If you're going to, if you want a CEO job, they're not as prevalent as working at Starbucks, right? So you have to allow yourself Mm -hmm. that space. So, She has come to me. She had a big birthday and I had written something and she saw what I had written. We were connected through mutual friends. And she said, I'm hitting this birthday and I'm not where I want to be. And I'm doing all the work. I'm not getting credit at my current firm and something's got to give. And all, you know, she was very lively, a very lively, bright, brilliant, vibrant woman. And so we worked to figure out what are her values she was so focused on the company's values that she couldn't she couldn't separate herself from her company so what are her values where does she want to go and what are we trying to do so we're trying to create this in, you know in her case it was about healthcare and things like that i did not work in healthcare i worked in in finance, but it's all pretty much the same. You're trying to build into these organizations. And she was sick of being seen as a young female analyst. She didn't want to be at that level. She wanted to run the show on a massive project. Well, she hit the tumbleweed. We worked through great, and she's got great mentors. She reconnected with them all over the country. She started attending more conferences. This was a little pre-COVID on the first run with her. And then she started telling everyone, I want to work on this big project. I want to run a big PL. She had her speech down, her elevator speech. And she ended up working on post-pandemic. It was a, an actual government role, a public health government role that helps the whole state of Washington get through the pandemic. And she ran it. Now it's since winding down, so she's come back. But when we figured out, you know, she had multiple offers at that time, multiple, she had three opportunities. Some of what was very similar to what she was doing. And when you line it up, I have this little matrix I used for those analytical folks out there, little Excel spreadsheet, a little Google sheet. When you line it up, it's like, this is the clear winner. If she had said am I going to do this for the next five years? She wouldn't have taken the role. She knew it was short-term. She knew it would get her to um, out of the plateau and onto the next mountain peak. And then we're back working again. Wow. And this time she had a wedding as her milestone. And she's like, around the time of the wedding, I want to be done with this. I want to move on for multiple, multiple reasons. Again, Are your values still the same? Is your vision still the same? No, you know, they bought a house. She has different set of priorities. So we're starting to hit that again. And she's been offered roles. And she said, no, how amazing is that? That she feels so strongly in her values and her vision that she has declined. And a lot of them were because they weren't seeing her value. It was nonsense. It was, you know, go back, go lateral. You don't do those big statewide high impact projects to go lateral. So she is really holding strong as frustrated as it can be at times. And so we're continuing to work through that. Wow, I could go on and on, but I think nothing says it's working when someone comes back to you. So it's been, yes, it's been wonderful.
0: That's amazing. And that's inspiring because yeah, it, it can be so fulfilling to find what it is you want it when you do get that clarity and then It's the belief too, like that belief piece that obviously she had to have in order to stick with it, in order to say no to things that came up too. So there's there's so many elements in there that you come into the coaching, I'm sure, but it's fascinating. And she let me play. I'd be like, hey, I really want to do, I,
1: you know, I'm I just got my Reiki masters. Hey, can I do this session on you? You seem really blocked. And so she allowed me to bring a lot of that into my practice, which is nice too. Mm -hmm. When you have clients who are so open, and willing it's been amazing it's been truly amazing and then i do a lot of work with groups too right how teams can find clarity and that that comes from my old days of workshopping and facilitating from my from my wall street days where i had to bring very very unlike-minded people into a room because you know the bank bought them and they're freaking out and they're scared and i'm like oh let's do this so i was doing this work without knowing it Mm
0: -hmm. or without
1: a whole heck of a lot of training. And I think teams can find clarity too. I think women's group can find clarity. I have a million men texting me and emailing me and DMing or however they get, they find me. Can I come to one of your retreats? I think we all are at this space. It's like, well, COVID happened. What's
0: my purpose?
1: And what am I going to do next? Because maybe they're tired. A lot of people are just burnt out and tired. Yeah. Yeah
0: yeah, and i'm I'm hearing the same thing in my own practice is that that's where people are. and they do want to find another way. There's got to be another way to do this. And it's got to be more aligned with who I am, what I want. And, uh, yeah, I can totally get that. And you mentioned that there are Reiki things that you do with your clients, and I don't know if there's anything you can share here that you mm. do practice a, a small tool or a small tip that you can give us. To help us get more clarity, perhaps.
1: So for all those busy people who don't have time or say they don't have time, a couple of things. Especially in the state that we're in, we're also going towards year end, and people get, you know, it's like your feet lift off of the ground. We're so unundated with fundraisers, with. Um, holiday things, requests, invitations. This is what I would say. We all sit down at some point in the day, whether it's to watch TV, to eat a meal, even if you can sit with your car and park, right? Your feet are on the ground. So what I would say, like even now, right? Uncrossing everything, rooting your feet, bonus points. If you don't have shoes or socks on, you can do this inside or outside just taking a few deep breaths and letting the air come up from your toes to your nose and then back out. And as you do this five, you know, this could be at a mm. red light, put your car in park. You don't have to shut your eyes, although it helps.
0: Yeah. I'm doing this. Palms,
1: <laughs> palms facing up, palms facing up. And you're doing a body scan. Is there a part of me that feels gray? Hmm. Is there a part of me that feels hot or cold? Is there a part of me that feels tense? And then paying attention or working with someone through that, but I would just send the breath. I just had surgery. I was lucky enough to get acupuncture first thing this morning. So my right hip is where my work is, where the tension is, where the scar tissue is building. And so, you know, that is a part of my particular story. So Mm -hmm. a body scan with your feet on the earth, uncross everything uncross, uncross, cross. You're creating blockages just in your ankles crossing. Mm. I love that. You can do that on the bed too. If you are tired at night, how long did that take us? I mean, I walked you yeah. through it, but five breaths. Yeah. It's less than a minute, likely. <laughs> less than a minute. <laughs> Carline. I do it a lot in Carline when I have to go pick up the kids. Mm. There are spaces in your day where you can learn a lot. And It's without judgment, do not judge yourself. And we call it something very, you know, a biosyn scan, it's a body scan. It doesn't need to have a fancy Japanese term or a Reiki term. And the other thing is I love to work with the elements. So before this call, I set an intention with a candle. Mm -hmm. So fire for good, heat for good, thinking about what you're drawn to. So it's getting a little bit colder you know, really setting this intention of how Debbie and I were going to create today. How are you and I going to create setting that into the fire? Fire isn't always destructive and noticing the heat around that, creating something new is driving that heat, changing the consistency. Um, Water, washing your hands, washing your face and really feeling your bones in your face and in your fingers and cleansing with water. I've been doing my version of cold plunge. It is sitting outside. I set a timer for 90 minutes. I put a sweatshirt on and some fuzzy socks and I set a timer. I have a little list of things I want to do. And I just take really insanely deep breaths in that cold in order to alive in myself.
0: Mm.
1: And then, you know, we have the earthing that can be putting your feet on the earth. That can be taking a walk. It can be stepping outside regardless of the temperature. I have, uh, my eight-year-old loves to be outside when it rains. So that's her earthing moment where she's doing both. She's running around with an umbrella, feeling it. She just loves being outside when the earth, when the air is, is crying and raining. So I think noticing what elements and taking a beat, you don't always have to respond. And I think one of the saddest things and the most grateful things at the same time is that there are books by someone who I admire and have been following now for several years There's a book called How to Breathe and permission. her her recent book is Permission to Rest. I'm like, how sad that we need books that have these simple titles, but we do. And so this is, if you're listening to Debbie and I, this is your permission to pause, your permission to, to take a breath and reset. It really helps your reaction time. That's what Reiki has done for me. It's allowed me to get so clear in my brain and not react in the same angry PTSD way that I had from some of the ways that I was treated and all of the trauma in the caregiving and, and also just really find a place. What is my answer? Is that a yes or a no?
0: Mm, clarity again. Yeah. Yeah. And those are such simple, but powerful things to do, right? Feet on the earth. Like it is, you can't get more basic, more connected than that, but yet how often do we do that? How often do we really are consciously aware of our feet on the earth or how, you know, just lighting a candle, that fire, that heat, that, you know, how often do we really appreciate that? You know, it's not about the the scent of the candle. It's just about the fact that we have it, that the, what it gives us, what it, it, it's just amazing. Like I love those simple ideas because we can all do them. It doesn't take much time and it can change your perspective, your awareness of, of, of yourself. So And no one needs to know. I mean, I, we all live in a world where
1: some of the woo or, and and mm -hmm. all of these, all of this, what some people call woo or some people call high spirituality. It's in every religion. It's in every society. If I've done a ton of research now, I wish I had been like a history major. They're all woven, whether it's the yoga sutras, whether it's the Greeks, the Romans, they have moon goddesses, they have deities, all of these places are doing some version of this, but I don't I didn't sit, you know, my husband's working from home today. I didn't say to him, I'm setting an intention to create with Debbie today. I did it internally. I did it for me. I did it for you. Yeah. You don't have to go around projecting it if it's, that's not the place you're in. And I think you can do that in the car and no one needs to know like, Hey, I hope I have a really safe drive. And I hope that I find, you know, the safest path to do X, Y, Z. And I hope when I get there, I find the clarity
0: I need, whatever the thing is. No one needs to know. No. No, it's a very personal thing. And it's, it's just like, it's just those little pauses where you take the time to actually do that. That's what matters, right? You take the time to actually think about it and do it and just have compassion for yourself or send yourself something that you need. Um, I think those are beautiful, beautiful things and they don't take any time and nobody has to know what you're doing and they're not woo woo. They're just very simple. Very, very mm. simple. I think of them that way. I'm a yoga teacher. So I, I too, a lot of the things you've said totally resonate with me. Mm. Yeah, really. Thank you for that. So before we go today, I do like to ask a question of my, of my Is The best part for you of getting older as a woman in midlife, what is the best part of, for you? I think it's confidence. Mm.
1: I think it's being able to claim it like we talked about. And just saying, this is what it is for me right now, in both the good and the bad. It's hey, I need a break, or I'm really excited to do this. Can I do this? You know, I'm going to put this out into the world, and it's an unabashed. It it's not boastful. It's just confident. And when you have that moment, it seems the fear dissipates. Yeah, it, there there's a lot less fear.
0: Yeah. Not yeah. none. No. But. But you're more, like you said, confident. And you used a word when we spoke, the very first time I spoke to you was unapologetic. And unapologetic. I I love that. I love that. I, I wish that for everybody, yeah. that we could come into ourselves in that way to have that kind of confidence where you're really unapologetic about it. And uh, this is just who I am.
1: It's It's been interesting to be at cocktail parties or whatever version of that, you know, sidelines of games or in town or whatever and tell people you know everyone says well what are you up to these days or what's going on oh I left I left Wall Street what are you doing Reiki coaching and you know if I had done this in my 20s I don't know that I would have had it I needed that experience and now I'm like yeah that's what I do and it's really helpful and I am really excited about it and it feels cool to say that and then some people don't know what to do with me. And some people are like, tell me more. So Mm -hmm. I think that you and I don't want people to go through what our mothers have gone through. And in order to do that, it's about the health, the wellness, the spirituality to get through the yoga on the mat, the yoga off the mat. Yeah. And I think in, in trying to, it's not perfect ever, It's never perfect, but in trying to find those, that wiggle room to find some space, you and I, I think, have seen a side of life and frankly death that's just so incredibly difficult to witness
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and so that's really my goal is to avoid holding on to trauma and now it's just like let's claim it because if I would have suppressed this forever I think I would have gotten terribly sick right it's like that letting go or if you hadn't found this place to coach and help women it, it finds its way to seep in when you hold back it so does.
0: yeah and instead of allowing it to hold us back i i've always seen it as a force to that fuels me that agreed you know, yeah that's that's been the driving force every time i come to a, a question of should i still you know is this the right path it's like you know what you're on this earth for such a limited time you know if you ever have any questions about anything it's just i put it in perspective that way my mom had 57 years here. I'm 51. So it just becoming more and more clear that this is, this is a limited existence. So what do I want to do in this time? And, and then, and then it's just, it's much clearer. (laughs) So all of a sudden just the clouds separate and I'm like, oh yeah, the answer was there.
1: But isn't that the truth? We all, even though we have clarity, we question it and then you're sort of hitting your cycling. And so it's never really done and that's why it's not the ladder. it's not like oh I forgot all that climb 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 no. it's like oh, I'm over here by these trees Then I went to see the lake do I still want to go back oh I'm back to the trees and it's that's normal yeah. especially as women I think we're like well this is the thing it doesn't have to be it could be part of the last thing and something else
0: yeah yeah and I love have that to look like anything you've ever seen before mm. like you can invent it you can create it like I just I too came from a corporate place I was yeah. an aerospace engineer so I was in a very different space than when I where I am now and it took me a long time to claim it even though I was in it I had a hard time like you said when you you can say it with confidence it took me a long time to even say it with confidence that this is what I chose to do at first yeah me and then it was claiming it but yeah to get that kind of unapologetic confidence no this is what I do and I love what I do and I I don't want to do anything else right now. So this is, this is where I'm supposed to be.
1: <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree.
0: So I just want to really thank you for having this conversation with me today. I think it was so great to connect with you. I, I There's so okay. many parallels there too, which was so interesting. And I just want you to, you know, share with us where my audience could find you and uh, how we can connect with you.
1: Absolutely. So, I am adding more and more to my Substack, which is called the Clarity Collective. So, Lynn Mull on Substack. I'm also on Instagram underscore Lynn Mull, and then my website, lynmall.com. You can always email me. It's lynn at Lynmall.com, which you can also find on my website. And, you know, I'd love to continue the conversation and ask any questions about Reiki. If I always say, if, you know, you want to work with someone and I, and it's not virtual, which it does work virtually, or you want to have uh, a conversation with me and it, we're not the right fit. I also know a lot of people and I'm sure, you know, I just want people to find the right fit.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for that. And all that information that you just gave, I will put them in the show notes. So you can go, everybody can go to find the link to exactly where Lynn is. And uh, thank you again, Lynn. I really appreciate you being here. Have a great, uh, a great day. And I'm sure we'll connect soon in the future. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Have a great day. I'm going to blow out the candle. Thank Very ceremoniously <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of the Midlife Momentum Podcast. If you want to learn more about working with me, come visit me at Coaching.com. That's Debbie, I-E, Harbeck, with the c coaching.com. See you next week.